The presidential motorcade had just passed through heavy crowds in downtown Dallas and was circling through the fringes of the business district when three shots suddenly rang out. Destroying the media lies and dismantling the narratives. One story at a time. It's the Adrian Slate Show. Democrats publish lists of seven progressive virtues. Envy, greed, pride, lust, outrage, sloth, and gluten-free gluttony. The Democrat Party has adopted seven progressive virtues as a part of its official platform. Envy, greed, pride, lust, outrage, sloth, and gluten-free gluttony. The Democrats published this list of virtues on their website and called on all party members to try to live up to them in their personal and public lives. Quote, each of these seven virtues represents a character quality every Democrat uh, should have and should strive to possess, said DNC Chair Tom Perez. We must be anchoring in strong character if we are to stay true to our principles. These should act as a guideline for the kinds of person a Democrat should want to become. The list was accompanied by a short description of each virtue and why it is important to the Democrats. Envy. Being jealous is what being a leftist is all about. If everyone else has more than you, how can you possibly be happy? Greed. Rich people are bad because they're greedy. So you should be greedy in return and try to take all of their money away. Pride. Being proud of your sin is a virtue. Flaunt it, baby. Lust. Do whatever. Woohoo! Outrage. Being full of wrath and anger all of the time is a great character quality. Arr. Sloth. Let other people do all the work for you. That's just being smart. And gluten-free gluttony. Eat as much as you want as long as it's gluten-free, organic, and non-GMO. Democrats are also working on Seven Deadly Sins, which is rumored to include chastity, temperance, charity, diligence, patience, kindness, and humility. <laughs> Believe it or not, that is the Babylon Bee. Complete satire that is not a real news article. That is something to be made as a joke. But tell me where they're wrong. I'm Adrian Slade. Thanks for tuning in. By the way, if you enjoyed our uncensored podcast, already, already canceled, with uh, my friend Michael from conservativelibrary.com. Go over to the platforms right now, Google Play, uh, Breaker, Radio Publish. We're waiting on iTunes, TuneIn, and some other platforms, but subscribe there because they will no longer be hosted on the Adrian Slade Show podcast feed. And for those of you that couldn't handle the, uh, the language, uh, <laughs> I apologize. It, it, we're, what we're doing is we're trying to take some of the candid conversations that we have when we're coming up with articles to put on the website that are no holds barred that we do just over the phone, anti PC and trying to put those out for those who can handle that kind of uh, level of uh, entertainment and level of, uh, you know, uh, adult humor. And I, I don't do it to be gratuitous. It, these sometimes these are things that I think, and I try not to let them go out because I'm trying to keep the Adrian Slade show family friendly that you can listen to in your car with your family around and it not be a big deal. Um, but we did kind of feel the need that we need to get anti PC and to break 
the uh, mold for certain people that enjoy that kind of entertainment and also want to be educated in the process. So that's why they're going to be two separate podcasts. So already canceled. You can email us at already canceled podcast at gmail.com, but be sure to subscribe to us there. But when we were talking about what's going on, especially with the debates, look at the debates that happened the other day. I mean, everything was about all of those virtues. I mean, everything free college. You know, we had this discussion and it goes into what I'm about to, an article that I'm about to bring up, but we had this discussion about free college and my buddy, Sean, who he may be on the already uh, canceled podcast here soon. Um, Sean, he actually posted, yeah. Um, why is everybody concerned about free college? We have public schools and nobody goes to that crap. They're always skipping school. I was like, yeah, right on. It's free and available to you. And yet half the people don't even go. Of course, the barrage of people that said, well, you know, that's a stupid argument. Um, we should have everything paid for all the way up to bachelor's degrees. And, uh, you know, all the college should be forgiven. All the student loans. Um, why do we not do this for PhDs, for master's degrees? They were like, well, you should be able to spend the money on that. If it's free all the way up to that, then the student loans would be less. To which I'm going, no, it would exponentially rise with everything else. The first thing that would happen, because you made college free, you now have an influx of clientele. Your supply is being overrun by demand because there's no constraints to access the demand. The constraints would be things like, well, do I want to pursue this degree for this many years because it's going to cost some money? Do I want to take time away from working in the field that I want to work in because I want to pursue this degree? When you open it up, you do just like the housing market did. When you reduce the constraints to purchase a loan, like credit rating, uh, financial history, when you make it something that has to be deemed a quota-based system, well, they need to have it because that's unfair if they don't get it. Well, now you've got envy, and now you've got greed, and what you've done is you've basically forced more people into a market that they shouldn't have even been in, and now they're going to take advantage of it. Now, most of those people, they may not might not even finish their college uh, experience. They might not get their degree, to which eventually the colleges will dumb down the requirements to obtain that degree, and then everybody will get a degree just for showing up. But that'll be their tr uh, participation trophy. But what ends up happening is you end up adding more people to the market. Well, then, in response to that, the value of those degrees goes down because everybody's got one. And then the PhDs, the master degrees, the price on that goes up because more people are going to be available to go to it with the new bachelor's degree they got for free. And it's going to flood that market to which the demand on the price will go up. And especially if the government's still involved with student loans, well, then it's definitely going to go higher and higher. So why not make those, those free too? And the stupid utopian response that we always got was, well, you know what? The effect is you have a, you've got a well-educated citizenry. What's wrong with that? You've got a well-educated workforce. Yeah, and your socialist utopia, we have that. 
But really, in all honesty, we have a well-educated unemployment mar <laughs> market. That's what we have. We have a collection of unemployed people who are, uh, they're, all, they're all unemployed because the market, the scarce resources of job employment is overrun by overqualified people. We're already seeing this right now because businesses decided to make the employment completely based on whether or not you have a degree or not. They're not looking for talent. They're going on check on the box. So you got a bachelor's degree. This other guy who's probably got three times the IQ and has the smarts and know-how. Well, he doesn't have the, uh, the degree, so we, we have to deny him because he needs to go get his degree. And they're learning that now they need to backtrack on that. And that's why trades are going up as far as uh, demand goes. That's why they're looking at hiring people that don't have college degrees. So the whole premise of this utopia is the same as the minimum wage idea. Why not make the minimum wage $30 an hour? Why not make it $50 an hour? What is stopping you from doing that? Because you're eliminating market forces. And so we get into what the mindset is of the people that are backing a Bernie Sanders, a guy who is praising Cuba. Well, Cuba, yeah, they... They killed a lot of people and put people in camps, but they had great literacy, you know? Yeah, Satan. Satan, yeah, he's the prince of darkness, but I heard he has a good music program. That's how stupid this is. So from the file of when you've been conditioned from kindergarten to place all of your colored pencils and crayons and paper in a collective bin for everyone to pull from all the way until you are smoking bong hits out of graphics bongs and... You've got Che Guevara tapestries hanging in the dorm room. This story was inevitable. This is from Market Watch. More than a third of millennials polled approve of communism. Biggest threat to world peace? 27% said President Donald Trump. 22% said Kim Jong-un. And 15% tapped Vladimir Putin. A new survey released from Washington, D.C.'s Nonprofit Victims for Communism Memorial Foundation, or Victims of Communism Memorial Foundation, reflects that if the younger generation gets out and votes in 2020, those running for office on the far left have reason to be hopeful. According to YouGov, which conducted the poll, capitalism, amid a widening divide between the haves and have-nots, has plunged in popularity from a year ago, with one out of every two millennials ages 23 to 38 supporting it. Meanwhile, 36% of millennials polled say that they approve of communism, which is up significantly from 28% in 2018. Socialism, a dirty word to the president and many of his supporters, has shown a decrease in favorability in all groups except for the silent generation, age 74 plus, and millennials, of which 70% say they'd likely vote for a socialist candidate. Marion Smith, executive director at the Victims of Communist, uh, Communism Memorial Foundation, says he's troubled by the findings of the poll. Quote, the historical amnesia about the dangers of communism and socialism is on full display in this year's report, Smith said in a statement. We don't educate our youngest generations about the historical truth of 100 million victims murdered at the hands of communist regimes over the past century. We shouldn't be surprised at their willingness to embrace Marxist ideas. And one of the things, in my opinion, that makes this so fertile, makes this uh, such, a, uh, such a fertile ground to till is the fact that every time we get a Marxist president like Jimmy Carter, like Obama, they set the stage 
by economically depressing the United States. It does one of two things. It puts us on the level playing field with other totalitarian regimes. So when we move to a global union, we won't really put up much of a fight because we'll be on the same page. But it also fosters in that desire to have government handle everything. Because remember, remember Obama was going, we can't get over 2% GDP. Those days are done. Jimmy Carter, you know, gas lines, inflation was at 20% for houses, 17%, whatever the case may be. It's not 100%, but you know what I'm saying? I'm giving you the effect. It was really freaking high. Well, that fosters that level of government needs to be the answer. Capitalism has failed. We need government to take over because ultimately it comes down to two worldviews, self-reliance and natural rights provided to us by our creator, which that is where capitalism comes into play. And I'm not talking about crony capitalism. I'm not talking about big CEO of Google paying off government to allow them to operate while using government regulation to shove everyone else out of the market and then cozying up with the government to silence conservative voices. And that's cronyism. When you're paying off the government so that you can operate to your heart's desire, to your greed, and yet you are now uninterrupted in that pursuit of greediness because you've paid off the government. That's different. Capitalism is your small business. I have a product. You have a need. I can sell this product to meet your need. We can come to a good agreement on price. Everybody does this on their own individual level, decentralized. That's what the left does with its activism. Why it doesn't understand that with its governance makes no sense to me. They like little NGOs out there doing all these things, activists all on their own because they're all fighting for the same collective idea. Why can't we do that for economics? That's what capitalism is. We're all operating individually. And if we do so under the ethics provided by Christianity or by the Ten Commandments or by good moral morality, then we aren't going to step into greed. Now, we're humans, so we end up corrupting that system regardless. But it really comes down to the fact that you have this side and then you have the socialist side. These are individuals who think government should protect them from adversity. Government should protect them from suffering. Government should make them equal across the board. Never mind the people who are doing the governance are going to not be equal. They're going to benefit. They're going to be pulling in all the riches. They're not going to be operating by the rules. They're going to be insulated from all of what is required from everybody else. But suffering, if you look at it from a spiritual, biblical, Christianity base, there's no rhyme or reason to it. Some people will go, well, you know what? You're suffering because you're not doing what God wants you to do. Well, that's not true. Look at Job. Job wasn't operating in that fashion. He was being allowed to suffer to show how much his faith is strong for God. And then those that were saying that he was, you know, going against God and that is the cause of his suffering were chastised by God. But then other people will say, well, you're suffering because you're learning. And sometimes that's true because you can't learn without suffering, long suffering. That is a fruit of the spirit. So there are things about suffering that have its pros and cons. We just don't know why that happens, and we're not supposed to. There's no rhyme or reason to it. Maybe you're growing because of suffering. Maybe you're 
being condemned because of suffering and you need to change. I don't know. We don't know. Only God knows. But what we can't do is allow government to try to step in and fix suffering. Oh, wow. You don't make as much money as the next guy. Well, maybe you're in a position that you're learning something because of that. Or maybe you're doing something and you're being regulated into the, Who knows? But you can't turn around and have government fix it and say, well, we'll just make everything equal and your suffering will now be cured. Oh, you don't, you don't have as much as uh, some of these billionaires and millionaires. Oh, you don't have access to this. Or, or maybe you're not talented in, enough in the field that you want to be in and you want it all regulated. We got to have affirmative action so that there are more people hired in this. All of that is BS. All of it. Because you are now replacing God with government and you want government to regulate the suffering and you want government to mandate it all. But government is run by flawed humans and the people running it will take advantage of the situation all the way across the board. This is Adrian Slade. Adrian Slade Broadcast. So we know that Bernie Sanders is a testament as to how socialism has engulfed the Democrat Party. We've seen that. Socialism is taking over this party, and it's not just Bernie Sanders. You know, the fact that there is a front runner who is praising Cuba's literacy, who is also pra- uh, who honeymooned in Russia and Soviet Union styled Russia back in the 80s, who is calling for Medicare for all and basically want a revolution. We have to look deeper to see that it's young underlings are promoting this. Large crowds in Austin at his rally. I mean, the left is completely engulfed in socialism. And some of its rising stars, like the uh, Instagram... uh, Who's the Instagrammer again? The one who kind of... I guess she does something in Congress. Oh, yeah! That's Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Remember now, socialists basically reject um, Christianity. Most of them are atheists. Because government is their God. But yet, and they they hate Israel, but government is their God until they want to use the Bible in a way that is out of context, in a way to further their stupid measures, whether it's uh, open borders, whether it's uh, Medicare for all. And listen to this clip of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, how she's trying to invoke her faith and what Jesus would do. This is pretty amazing and pretty telling stuff. Sometimes, especially in this body, I feel as though if Christ himself walked through these doors and said what he said thousands of years ago, that we should love our neighbor and our enemy, that we should welcome the stranger, fight for the least of us, that it is easier for a rich man, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to get into a kingdom of heaven. He would be maligned as a radical and rejected from these doors. And I know, and it is part of my faith, that all people are holy and all people are sacred. Uh, All right, let's stop there. First off, all people are not holy. We are sinful. We are flawed individuals. We don't deserve holiness. 
because we only get that through grace from Jesus Christ. We're not holy people. We're evil people who fight to be somewhat holy, as holy as we possibly can. And for her to say that, that is why capitalism moves to cronyism, because we're sinful. But capitalism overcomes that sinful flaw, because there are enough people to try to do good that elevates capitalism, and capitalism ends up meeting the needs of everybody without having to be mandated by the government. Now, socialism is also a sinful uh, style of government, and it's run by sinful people. But that's also why you have the consolidation of power, which means they execute their dissidents. That's why you have people who are living in mansions at the top of these regimes while their, their citizenry is stuck poor and with no ability to elevate themselves out of their poorness, out of their squalor, out of whatever is keeping them at bay because the government is keeping them at bay because it needs to consolidate power in order to maintain control. Back to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. And that is what makes faith sometimes, that's what, what prompts us to transform because it is unconditional. It's not about that it is up to us to love parts of people. We love all people. There is nothing holy about rejecting medical care of people, no matter who they are on the grounds of what their identity is. There is nothing holy about turning someone away from a hospital. All right, um, who's rejecting medical care? Who is rejecting someone from a hospital? Would it be a panel of bureaucrats who think you're just too old? You know, you might be a burden on the system, right, Michael Bloomberg? And what things they can fix right away. You know, if you're bleeding, they'll stop the bleeding. If you need an x-ray, you're going to have to wait. That's just, and all of these costs keep going up. Nobody wants to pay any more money. And at the rate we're going, health care is going to bankrupt us. So not only do we have a problem, it's going to bankrupt. And we've got to sit here and say which things we're going to do and which things we're not. Nobody wants to do that. You know, if you show up with prostate cancer and you're 95 years old, we should say, go and enjoy, have a nice day, lead a long life. There's no cure, and you can't do it. If you're a young person, we should do something about it. Society's not willing to do that yet. So we're going to bankrupt us, and we're not looking at... Yeah, Michael Bloomberg just made the case that government... But Medicare for all is going to have to pick and choose people who can be allowed medical care. All right. Even though Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is saying that her faith or lack thereof, her faith mandates that medical care be provided to everybody. And what happens when government has the run of the health care? Well, then it gets to deny it not only for things like age, but listen to this. This is from Sky News homophobic, sexist, and racist patients could be barred from non-emergency care at, at hospitals in new rules that came out or that are to come out in April. Right. So if they go through your tweets, they go through your social media timelines, and they go, well, you might be what we define as fascist because you may uh, believe in Christ, you may believe in uh, American exceptionalism, so you might be a white supremacist bigot. We're just going to deny you health care. 
Well, you can't deny somebody health care if it's a private industry who is providing that health care because maybe one hospital will adopt that idea, but there will be competing hospitals out there that will allow services to you. I mean, but when the government runs it all, yeah, the government can say, yeah, you're not acting correctly. Your social credit score, right, China? Your social credit score might be down. So uh, you might not be a good steward as a citizen, and we're just not going to give you the care that you require. Sounds crazy, but it's there. This is the same party, you know, that they want to control every aspect of your lives, but then they can put in measures to penalize you with that control. So let's go back to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. There's nothing holy about, about rejecting a child from a family. Um, who is rejecting a child from a family when you're asking a child to be eliminated because it's burdensome? When you're asking for the ability to kill a child before it exits the womb? I mean, and then you've got these people out there that, that are worried about their burdensome child, but yet they're celebrating by filming a freaking TikTok video of them going to the abortion clinic. These people are evil. These people are the ones who want to run everything, and, but yet want to have the ability to tell people whether they can live or die. Whether that is in the elderly stage because you're burdensome to the medical system, you're a financial burden, or if it's just through population control through killing in the womb. I mean, it's amazing. And these are the same people that it's not just Bernie Sanders. It's not just Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. It's people like Tom Steyer. Listen to this. Um, I'm 27 years old and I still have buying a house, getting married and having kids ahead of me. What do you say to people my age and those who are younger who are frankly terrified of what climate change will do to this planet and our futures? So, Natalie, thank you for asking that question. Look, I am the only person running for president who will say that climate is his or her number one priority. The only one, go ask him, the only one. And I've said that I will declare, just so you know, Natalie, a state of emergency on climate on the first day of my presidency, and I will use the executive emergency powers of the presidency to tell companies how they can generate electricity, what kind of cars they can build on what schedule, what kind of buildings we're going to have, how we're going to use our public lands, how the government, which is the biggest buyer of fossil fuels in the world, is going to move to clean energy. But let me say, I have done this, and let me say this, I did not just come to this. I have been fighting this fight for well over a decade, and I have beat oil companies when they tried to repeal good laws. I've passed laws out, inside and outside California, 50% clean energy by 2030. I've stopped pipelines. I stopped the last fossil fuel plant in my home state that will ever be proposed. But I want to make two more points. Wait, let me ask you a question first. And then you can build on it for the points because I don't want the point to get too far past. Um, contextually, you said earlier uh, you don't want to have government running everything. You want to make sure it works yeah. in the right spaces. All right. Contrast that with... But on climate, you're going to use emergency powers as president, which I need you to explain to people where I those do. powers come from. 
And you're going to tell car companies when they can make cars, and you're going to tell people how they can use their well, land and what businesses? How do you reconcile here, those two? Easily. Let me say this. What I'm talking about is the government setting the rules of the road for corporations. I don't want to buy the car companies. I'm not talking about taking over the electricity system. I'm talking about saying these are the rules that serve the American people. That's what the government does, Chris. So Tom Steyer wants to regulate business, wants to tell it what it can or cannot do. Doesn't want to run the businesses. It just wants to mandate what they can do. And so what's the answer? Government takeover. No different than Bernie Sanders. No different than Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. I mean, when Steyer implements its rules of the road for corporations to operate in, those corporations that give just a little bit more money over to him and his party, they're going to get their own road. And the average person will not be able to drive on that road. And they'll be able to operate, and their competitors won't, and their competitors will be run out of business because they are, they're competing Leviathan, Leviathan, the big... The big cheese, the big group that's actually kicking back to the Democrat Party and those in control are going to run them out of business. And if you don't think there are businesses out there who are wanting to do that, who are wanting to operate on this corporate philanthropy thing that we learned about in international business uh, some decades ago, that's now facilitating facilitating itself into woke culture, where we got to find some sort of uh, some sort of cause to champion but yet it's going to be a cause like you know making sure everybody says he she him her the proper pronouns it's not going to be a cause that benefits society as a whole like you know food bank or something like that and doordash is out there running their mouth about how they're gonna you know uh, withhold fees for uh for a period of time because of us and our immigration policy you've got all these companies out there acting woke and they're obviously going to side with a socialist candidate. And what's really disturbing is that the socialist candidate and the socialist party sides with individuals like this. You know America's going to go to war. They killed Qasem Soleimani. And America's so powerful, she has the right to... Define others. Here's Qasem Soleimani. I think we met him when we were in Iran. Mr. Trump killed my brother, Qasem Soleimani. Mrs. Clinton killed my other brother, Muammar Gaddafi. That's why I couldn't support Miss Clinton. And some of my little black friends angry with me because I, I, I wasn't going to vote for Miss Clinton. See, Mr. Trump, I respect you because you're the president of the United States of America. And you said that my brother is a terrorist. And you got the power to define people. You may not like me, so you might call me a terrorist tomorrow. 
to justify what the government is planning to do to me and the nation of Islam. But I'm just inviting you. No, 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 no. I'm inviting you to sit down and talk. Because I have a message for you from God. They killed my brother, Kasum Sulamati. Um, yeah, Louis Farrakhan. He didn't like Hillary Clinton because they killed off Gaddafi. He doesn't like Trump because he killed my brother, Sulamati. And what's funny is you hear every well, what's scary is you hear everybody in the background, Amen, brother, here, preach the word. And you're like, you realize he's talking about Iran, right? Oh, but they don't care about that because Bernie Sanders, one of his campaign heads, was going to go to the University of Tehran in Iran. You know, Obama hooked up Iran with pallets of cash. The fact that they are all supporting Iran and denouncing Israel should be an indication that they don't support America. They support the one regime on the globe that is chanting death to America. And they're giving them preferential treatment in the process. It's almost as ridiculous as this skit from Mr. Show with Bob and David on HBO. Now, brothers, please, let's welcome His High Holiness, the Right Reverend Raleed Kalunda. Thank you. Brothers, today we gather to clarify statements which I made at a previous rally. Statements that have been twisted by the media. The two-run media. <laughs> now, firstly, I stated that Korean shop owners are vampires. Blood suckers. This generous appraisal has been intricately surgically misrepresented as an insult. Legends speak of the vampire as a nocturnal creature whose image is not seen in mirrors. So far, so good. Now, likewise, those who own shops often find that they have to work long hours and late until the night, and as a result, do not have time to reflect upon their accomplishments. Smokescreen. Let us move on. Last week, I called for the beheading of all white women. I just work here. The beehive hairdo, listen. The beehive hairdo was a popular style back in the 50s and 60s. It was a simple creation which quietly flattered while elongating the figure. Where are you going with this one? Now, I was merely suggesting that white women put their hair on their heads in a beehive or behead themselves. Let's move on. That is all. But in order that my words are not hmm, misinterpreted again, I've simplified my message to the simple phrase, be kind, rewind. Be kind, rewind. Be kind, rewind. Be kind, rewind. It's a simple gesture. When you rent a video from a store, remember to rewind it before returning it. That's it, that's why we're here today. Leave your name and number after the beep. 
Yeah, that's basically what Farrakhan sounds like to me. But this is where we are. This is where the left is. They love Iran. They love totalitarianism. They're moving towards socialism. And until we start to change the hearts and minds of the youth, this is where we're going to head, unfortunately. I'm Adrian Slade. I appreciate you tuning into the show. Check out the podcast, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, iHeart Podcast, TuneIn, Podbean, Overcast, anywhere podcasts are hosted, you can get the uh, free Adrian Slade Show podcast. Be sure to rate it. Give it a five-star rating if you can. That helps bring it up in the ranks. You can also check out the blog, adrianslateshow.com. Also, follow me on Twitter, at Adrian Slade Show or at Rants Out Loud. You can also find me on other social media platforms, Facebook, Gab, Parler, also on Snippy and Convo. Search Adrian Slade. You could also donate to the show, patreon.com slash Adrian Slade Show, or go to anchor.fm and donate. We'll see you guys next time.